Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. You know, today, being 9-11, there is, of course, the memory of what happened 15 years ago online. You'll see a lot of videos uh, of accounts that took place at that time. They're very touching, very moving. And it's going to be fitting, really, for the passage that we're looking at today in 1 John chapter 4. And you can turn there if you'd like. Uh, But let's pause and let's pray before we get started. Father, though it's been 15 years since the tragedy of 9-11, Lord, there are still the effects that have rippled to this day. There are still families that are grieving. There is still chaos in many areas of this world, Father, that are volatile and are causing concern and fear. And Lord, we ask you to bring comfort to those who have experienced loss on this day 15 years ago. We ask that you would bring peace into their hearts, into their lives, and into our world. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to reveal who you are to us and through us. And might this morning be an opportunity for you to do just that. Lord, we do pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to read verses 7 through 12. John writes, Beloved. Remember, beloved means you be loved. Okay? That's how he starts. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's a very familiar passage in scripture and one that is one of my favorites and probably many of yours as you hear it. Because it's so rich and this idea of God being love is so deep and it's great for our minds to try and wrap around that. But there's something interesting about things that are just so big. You know, when you think of infinity and you think of how vast the universe is and that it just keeps going and going, there comes a point where your mind just kind of goes, I can't go any further, right? You just kind of like, that's all I can think about. But then there's something in you that wants to keep thinking more. It's just like, yeah, I can't think anymore, but I wonder. And there's this question that kind of keeps driving you to, to know more. And I think we are like that. We, we like things that are beyond us because it compels us to become and to do more. How many of you like to go to the movies? Okay, some of you just not social people. It's okay, I know. I remember back in the 80s, if you were a Christian, you couldn't go to the movies or Jesus would come back and you might not get to heaven. You know, I, I love going to the movies and, and I like action adventure movies. You know, I like all the superhero movies. Those, you know, where Batman, I mean, they've made how many Batmans now? There's just like 35 Batmans now, right? And it's billions of dollars worth of revenue have been brought in because of those types of movies. But when I go to see a Batman or a Spider-Man or an Avengers or an Iron Man, name the movie, right? One of those kinds. When I go there, I don't like to go with the person who's a realist. You know what I'm saying? The person you go to sit with the Batman movie and something happens and Batman pulls something out of his belt and he zips up and they go, oh, right. <laughs> you know, they go, that can't happen. And you just look at him like, dude, it's Batman. And they're trying to just bring, you know, you know, that just can't happen. I mean, that's, you know, that's not something that's possible. That's not physically possible. You know, that's not something within physics. And I'm like, physics is Batman. His parents got killed. He fell in a well. The bats came and he's Batman, you know. I'm not looking for realism. I'm trying to escape that, right? If I can go in a movie and not think about the problems of life for a few hours, it's a good movie. If it can make me laugh or make me cry, it suspends that reality. I'm happy with it. And when someone tries to say, oh, that's impossible, it's like, of course it's impossible. That's why I paid the eight bucks to come see it because... It's not real, but I don't really believe there's a Batman. So I'm not worried if he can shoot up and be lifted up or carried on the wings. I know he doesn't exist. I don't look for the bat signal at night when I go out, right? It's not a reality I'm living in, but I like to have this kind of idea, even though it seems, well, impossible. Something in me likes to go there. You know, Iron Man. Oh, if he were to hit the ground like that, he'd be dead instantly. Dude, it's Iron Man. He doesn't die like that. He's got that suit and that heart thing going on. It's just how it is. And, and so 
things sometimes that seem impossible, that we're, we're drawn towards those things. And truthfully, this passage is kind of one of those things. When John says in verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. That might seem harmless to you. That might seem like, oh, that's innocent. Yeah, love one another. That's Yeah, that's good. That's nice. But you see, he's not just saying have feelings for one another. You know, be friends with one another. Give half of a, a heart on a necklace to your friend and you have the other heart and say, yeah, look at we're friends. You know, it, it's not that kind of love. This is the word agape. This is love one another. This is be there for one another. This is sacrifice for one another. This is give yourself for one another. And all of a sudden, when it comes down to what it really means, the walls go up and they go, wait, 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 wait. I didn't sign up for that. I wanted to come church, feel good, but I didn't need to commit to other people. I, I'm not about that. I need my space. You know, I, this is my happy place. Don't come into it. But that's what he's telling us to do. And so that sometimes seems a little impossible to me, that I can actually love and commit myself to so many people. It's vulnerable. It's uncomfortable. And yet that's what he's telling us to do. And love, truthfully, is a very difficult thing to do. And this is the kind of love that was displayed in Jesus. And so how difficult is that? And today, especially as it's 9-11 and we remember the tragedy of this day 15 years ago, and we, we see that example in our minds of all those firemen and those police officials rushing into a building that is collapsing going into danger to try and rescue people. You see, that's more of a clear picture of what John's talking about, and that's a bit overwhelming. I, I don't feel I'm up to that. I didn't sign up to do that. I didn't sign up to be a fireman or a policeman. I'm a dog trainer. I'm a pastor, okay? I almost got bit yesterday. That's the extent of my risk, Okay. And so this is asking an awful lot of us. But remember, he starts with beloved. He starts with the fact that you are loved, and that's where it goes from. It doesn't start with your ability to love, and now God will love you. It starts with God has already loved you in this way, and now he's asking you to love this way. And so that's a challenge for us. And our idea of love, even in you know a Christian circle, it's easier to love a continent. It's easier to love a group of people that I don't know. Oh, I love the people of Haiti. Yes, we, we've done work there. And that's fine, but that's easy. It's easy to love Haiti. It's hard to love Uncle Charlie, who smells right? It's easy to love these people. It's hard to love my friend who let me down. It's easy to love a group that's distant that I can give money to, but I don't have to invest emotion in. 
That's easy. What's hard is loving those who I know who are around me, the people who I have to interact with, the ones who rub me the wrong way, the ones who don't return my phone call or the text, and I can see that they saw it, and I'm waiting. They saw it. What's the deal? They too busy? What's going on? And then all of a sudden we get bent out of shape or hurt. Maybe you do, maybe don't. Just know if I text you and you don't respond, uh, just letting you know, no. You see, it's easier to love things that we're not attached to because it's not the depth of love that has risk. And what John is telling us to do is to step into this area that is risky, that is difficult, and that is something that Jesus did for an example for us. And he tells us why. He says, for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. It's from God, which is really amazing. Love is from God. Love isn't born out of effort. Love doesn't take place just because you're lovely. Although you're all very lovely here today. Love is from God, which tells me something about love. It tells me that love has always existed because God is love. That means love didn't have a beginning and love will not end. And so this is what we are called into. We're called into this place where love is from God. It originates from him. And you might be thinking, you know, Sam, you've, you've talked about love quite a bit these last few weeks. It's hard not to when every third verse has love or some theme of love in it. And, and here again, remembering that John is later in his years, some 50 years after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. He is writing this because he is troubled that these followers of Jesus are straying from the awareness of who Jesus is. And so he, John the Beloved, the the friend of Jesus, the maybe best friend of Jesus, is writing these things. The one who wrote the Gospel of John is writing these things to help us connect to the important thing. And what we want to try and do is keep the main thing the main thing. And he says that here's how you know God. Because... You love. It's from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You see, you don't know God because you have all the right information. You don't know God because you have studied the Bible backwards and forwards and you have your theology right. That has nothing to do whether you know God or not. You might know about God. You might have a lot of great and helpful information, but the evidence that you actually know God is that you are connected to this love because it originates with God and it's the essence of who he is. God is not only our goal, he is the source of the life that we have. And to know him is to be connected to him in this very deep and I might say difficult level because love is a difficult thing. It is tiring. If you have children and you love your children, you know that it can be exhausting. 
sometimes you wish, I wish I didn't love you as much as I do because then I could turn the other way, but I can't. And see, John is opening that door in a wide variety and saying, this is how we're supposed to behave. And it's like, oh man, I'm having enough hard time with my family. You're going to give me more family? It seems impossible. But it's something that's central to our nature as humans. Love is something that drives us. It's something that captures us. Even in Batman movies, there's a love interest. Why? Because you need some romantic interest. You need some connection. Why? Because that's the essence of being human. Doesn't matter if it's country music or Batman movies. Everything's got a little bit of, you know, this connection to love or the broken love. Something that has happened that that connects to us because it's who God is and it's how God made us to relate not only to him, but to each other. And so this love, again, tells us something about God, that he is and it has always existed. It's the evidence that we know who God is. And when we think of love and how much it costs to love in this manner, it's hard in a world that is so broken because we know that it is going to cause pain. We, we've seen the pain that has been caused because of selfishness, because of racism, because of the abuse, because of, of bigotry. We, we've seen all these areas in life where there's been so much harm done and the idea of extending ourselves to be vulnerable in these areas, it, it makes us want to recoil and say, I don't want to, to try and give myself to something that might turn back and hurt me. And so we stand off at a distance and we, we don't want to go there. And whether it be something extreme or something closer to home with the friends and the people that we know. You see, I, I, I want to see things change and I, I want to help the world move forward. But when it requires my involvement and my stepping into these areas of difficulty, it's hard. But I got to tell you, even though I'm, I'm for legislation and I'm for education, it really doesn't matter who I tell you to vote for. What matters is if you're connected to the source of love. And if that source of love flows through you, that is the only way that this world is going to change. It's not going to change because people have better ideas. It's not going to be changed because we put this party down and we raise this party up. It's not going to be changed because we conquer this or we give into that. It's going to be changed because we love because God is love. And those who love know God. And this is God's desire for us. It's been seen through Jesus and it's his desire for us, for one another. And I got to tell you, sometimes that just seems impossible. Sometimes that just seems beyond my ability and the ability of what I see around me. 
But then there's something in me that pulls me to think about eternity just a little bit more. There's something in me that says maybe Batman can actually fly with that cape. Maybe there's something that can get past this block in my mind that can cause me to step into something that is beyond me. And that's where this love does something in me. It changes me. That it captures me and then it explodes within me. And I find that I'm being changed because I have been loved. And I look back and I say, I'm not the same person I was. And I used to think I was okay back then. And then you grow and you start to see the areas that you were blind to years ago, and you see, man, I really was pretty self-centered. I know, I'm probably still self-centered, but I was more self-centered then, and I was pretty selfish. I know I'm still selfish, quiet down. But I, I was worse back then, and something is changing in me, and it's not me doing the changing. It's something inside of me, something outside of me that has captured me that is actually producing something better in me that's god and to see that in your life starts to overwhelm you it starts to make you think if god can change me god can change anybody verse 9 he says in this the love of god was made manifest among us Made manifest means that it showed itself. And I was thinking, made manifest among us, and I think, who's us? Well, I think, you know, it's us. It's Kareen, myself. It's the Herreras, the Zaldivars, Padillas. It's us. But you you see, I, I think John... Remember, he's trying to get us to understand that there is more to this faith in Jesus than forgiveness. That forgiveness is just the starting point. That he's pushing us past forgiveness or beyond forgiveness to friendship. And I believe that when John is writing these things, especially later on in years, because for some reason I, I find that people who get along in years get more sentimental. Anyone older agree with me? Are you guys getting like more sentimental? It's like, man, I'm such a baby now. What's going on? I used to be a tough guy, and now I see a video of a dog trapped in a sewer, and I'm like, oh, rescue it, please, you know? And I think John, at the end of his years, is looking back, and he's remembering all the things that took place. You see... He was thinking as he wrote this that Jesus made this love manifest to me, to his friends. He he did it at the cross, so much so that when John was at the cross and he was one of the only, or at least the few, the only one we know of who was actually at the cross when Jesus was dying, and was being crucified, and that Jesus said to John, Behold your 
mother speaking of Mary and he said to Mary behold your son that even at the cross Jesus was saying take care of each other you see John had that vision in his mind John had walked with Jesus John had gotten up with Jesus John had ate with Jesus John had seen Jesus interacting with the Pharisees the Sadducees the children John had seen him heal those who were leprous blind and he saw all these things and he saw jesus on the cross in his last moment saying i want to make sure you're taken care of you see love was manifested to us and very clearly to jesus and you start thinking of jesus as being john's friend and john describing himself as the one whom jesus loved And then I start thinking how difficult it is to be friends. And here comes Jesus, God in human form, and he's going to have friends. It would be easier for me to understand Jesus as a loner, as a recluse, right? Jesus kind of goes off and he lives in his tree fort just outside of Jerusalem, right? And he hangs out there because Jesus loves everybody. He can't have favorites. So he just loves everyone. He comes into the city. I love you guys. I'll heal you. I'll do these things. I'm going to go back to my tree fort and hang out by myself, and I'll pray, and me and God are going to have a thing. But that's not how it happened. There was no tree fort. Jesus was born into a family. Then he connected himself to a handful, 12 disciples, and he stayed at friends' houses, and he he received from them, and he connected to them, and he, he grieved with them. He involved himself with their lives. He was friends with them. And this isn't without problems. If you have friends, you know that there's issues when they don't show up for you. We went to an event the other day where the family was supposed to be there and the family didn't show up. And here they'd made all kinds of food And I don't know, like 10 people in the family just didn't show up. So we had to help them out and eat a lot more. It's hard being friends, right? But those things happen. You see, this wasn't without difficulty. I mean, you think about what we know in the Gospels about Jesus and his disciples. They would argue about who's the greatest. I'm greater than you. I I mean, think about what we know about Jesus. He came to serve, to give himself for them, and they're arguing about who's the greatest. How frustrating would that be, right? When you're telling your kids something or you're showing them what to do and they do the exact opposite. You get frustrated. Why'd you do that? I don't know. And here's his disciples, those he's investing his life in. They're arguing about who's the greatest or what about this one? When they send their mom to Jesus, And the mom comes to Jesus and they say, Jesus, can my son sit on your right hand and this one on your left hand? And Jesus says, well, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. And Oh, well, hold that thought. Let me go back to who can sit on your right hand or your left hand. They sent their mom to ask Jesus. These are his disciples. You think he didn't have issues? You think there wasn't problems? You think there was intention? Do you think he didn't have to love past those things? 
He had to deal with them and their quick tempers and their outbursts and I'll die for you, Jesus, and, and cutting off the you know, servant's ear and the arguing and then the betrayal and the failures. And these are the people he is loving. You see, he subjected himself to broken, fragmented people and he died for them, even though there was manipulation and betrayal. And John writes in his gospel, John 15, verses 12 through 14, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And I can imagine John now thinking, wow, I know what that looks like. I've seen that take place in action. He goes on, he says, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life not for the world, not for a continent, not for an idea, but for his friends, the people he knows, the people he knows, their weaknesses, their problems, their issues, the people who he has to walk with, he has to get aggravated with, he has to help. These are the people that he gives his life for, his friends. He says, you are my friends, if you do what I command, if, if you're going to be a part of this family, this is who I died for. It's difficult to maintain friendships for a long period of time. How many people have friends that you stay as connected to today as you did five years ago, ten years ago? It's, if you do have those friends that are a handful, might be a couple. Because it's hard to maintain that kind of friendship. It requires a lot. It requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of effort. Because we need things, right? Hey, I need some help. I need a babysitter. I need someone to help me move. Gosh, I don't know how many times I've had to help people move, right? Don't ever buy a truck unless you want to help people move. That's just how it is. And so you have to be involved. Well, how many people can you be involved with? It's difficult. They hurt us. They blame us for things that they've done. You know, you, you help people through their problems and you, you spend time with them and you invest in them and then they bail on you. And it hurts. And it's difficult and it's hard not to take it personal because, gosh, I, I was there for you and now I'm asking you to be there for me and you don't have time. What was that? Why did I do that? And so here's Jesus. And imagine what kind of person Jesus was that those who were closest to him, those who were his friends, who saw him and what he did, looked at him and called him God. They knew him better than anyone else and the way he conducted himself, the way he cared for people, the way he cared for them made them think he is God because he is love. And this is what John, I believe, is remembering, that this was love made manifest to us 
God sent his son into the world that we might live through him. And, and this is love, he says in verse 10. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Again, it, it starts with God and then it comes to us. And he says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now that word ought is a very strong word. It's not a passive word. It's an imperative. It means we must. It means we have to. You see, he's saying, I seen what God has done through Jesus and I have to respond. I must do something with what I have seen. I cannot ignore this. It is too powerful to just put off. And this word is just one of those words where, you know, God would have been nice, easier if you would have said, and we should love each other. We, we, we should love one another. But Jesus loved you. You must love one another. It is mandatory in light. If you have any inkling of understanding of what has been done for you you have no choice but to respond by caring like he did if you know god then you love like god loves and you have no alternative course you ought to love one another you must love one another you have no choice but to love one another because god is love and this is what it looks like among friends among the people who were closest to us this is too great it's too deep it's too reaching to stop with you and me we must love one another. And he closes in verse 12 when he says, well, we're going to close in verse 12. He goes on for another chapter. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Is perfected in us means it becomes clearer. It becomes viewable it becomes something that we can now see and tangibly understand that we are the ones who actually make this possible we're, we're not just hearing some inspirational talk maybe you are but you know that's not the whole point we're not here to just get inspired and leave here and goes oh i feel much better we're not here to just get inspiration. We're given a mandate to allow the most powerful force in the universe to shape us and to be a part of that shaping in others. That we allow the love of God to be seen in us by how we love our friends. Now, I know everyone here doesn't know everybody and doesn't have close friendships with everybody, but you probably have friendships with some people. 
you probably know a few people. And that's where we start with the few people that we have. That's where we become the friends like Jesus became the friends. And we don't rush out of church, say, thank you, smile, and go and hide in our fortress, our tree fort back at home, right? Okay, I'm safe here. No one can come inside. The pillows are up, and now everyone's safe. No, this is where we have to live with each other to deal with the potential hurt, letdown, the difficulties. This is where we interact. This is where we grow. And this is where God is seen in how we as friends care about each other. What we want more than anything, more than your ability to know about God, more than your understanding of doctrine is your acceptance of God's love for you and you're releasing that love of God to others through you. That's the good news. This is what John is trying to connect us to. You guys, this is what it's about. Let's keep this the main thing in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, you tell us that we are to love one another. And when we really think about that, it's a lot harder than it looks. And Father, to me, it's impossible unless You are real, and your love is working through me. And God, you have touched my life and the lives of so many here. You have made yourself known to us. You have poured grace upon us. We've experienced this love. It's been manifested to us that you have brought us into this friendship with you. You have have moved us from strangers into this family. And at this place where we are, you tell us that we need to love one another. Help us understand what that looks like. Help us to put that into practice with the people we know, the people who rub us the wrong way, the the people who let us down, the, the people who we have to show grace to. Give us wisdom. Even as, Jesus, you had wisdom. How even though you loved people, you didn't entrust yourself to them because you knew their hearts. Give us wisdom to know where to devote ourselves and how to give ourselves that we don't get taken advantage of, but yet they see we care. Lord, may we not retreat away from this mandate. May we understand that this is the greatest commandment for your people. This is what everything hinges on because if we say that we know you, but we don't love. We're deceiving ourselves. But to know you 
It's to know love. And to know you, we need to also love one another. Lord, may we be known for that love. And may you help us to grow and mature in it, we pray. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. May you know that you are loved by God. He knows you. All your hang-ups, all your hurts, all your problems, and you are loved. And he calls you to be his friend. And if God so loves you, you ought to love one another. God bless you guys. Have a great week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.